0: Father, speak to us in your word today. You've given me a word. This is the ninth lesson today that we go into worship and the word. Talking about revival. And it's so confusing, Lord. We live in a confused world, a world that seems to be not chasing after you, seems to be uh, running away from you. But, Lord, there's still a remnant of people who have not bowed their knee to Baal. There's still a voice, still a people who say we want all that God has for us. We've gathered together today here at Oak Grove to hear the word of the Lord and to bless your holy name. So open up your book to us. Help us understand what it takes to get to that place where we have revival in our spirits every day. It's not conditioned upon the culture or the world. It's conditioned upon the spiritual being of the church. And we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, "Amen!" You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. Amen. Again, while they're transitioning back to the pew and uh, and getting ready for the word, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Many churches throughout this whole time has been struggling, but you have helped us financially. You have kept us going. Why? Because because you have honored the Lord. You've honored the Lord, and I thank you, not only with your feet, but with your faithfulness. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. I love when we come together in the house of the Lord, but we understand what's going on. And and we didn't uh, dismiss Sunday night services, just for the record. On behalf of the board, we want to let you know, we didn't dismiss Sunday night services because we're running or scared or doubt-filled. We dismiss so we can honor the people of God and give them opportunity to uh, one, recover from sickness. Two, to get over the quarantine. Some people are not sick, they're quarantined. And number three, half of them are on vacation. It's a shock to me how you can't get out of your house on account of a virus, but you can go around the world on account of vacation. Somebody help the preacher preach. Now, don't get me started because uh there's a whole lot of lying going on. Amen. So, so praise the Lord. You do what you got to do, but how many know God's going to do what he has to do. And at the end of the day, I want to be in the, I want to be on the ship with God. I said, I want to be on the good old gospel ship when he comes. Amen. And I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want our church to be ready. And Melissa and I prayed a thousand prayers for you, a thousand prayers for you. That's just a exaggeration. Uh, probably more than that. Praying for Brandon Weddle and his baby today in the hospital, many others. And, uh, and so there's a lot of sick people, a lot of hurting people, a lot of confused people, uh, and, and, and they don't know who to hear, don't know who to listen to. Can I tell you who to listen to? Listen to the voice of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost will speak to you and give you peace and comfort you. But we want you to know that we want to make sure Oak Grove stays healthy. So you, you remain healthy. We take care of the sheep. That's our goal take care of the sheep because how many know there's lost sheep out there that need a fold they need someone to pull them in to the kingdom and uh and you can't catch fish with holes in the net i am not much of an angler i have tried i'm not much of a golfer i'm not much of anything actually Uh, i'm not a sports person but um (laughs) neither was my father and so uh I can I can hack at the golf ball and I can catch a fish every now and then and it's nothing wrong with none of it but I want you to know uh, I went out with grandpa Blanco Melissa's grandfather fishing one time and he was quite the fisherman her uncle was number one fisherman in Louisiana Maurice Blanco and uh he won trucks and boats and all just bass I mean big old fish and uh I'm not gonna tell you a fish story right now. I wanted to, but you can't even handle it. The fish I caught was so big you can't even handle it. Okay? And so and so I, I just wanted to tell you that that uh, Grandpa Blanco would take me out of the boat one time I went with him. And he'd cast that net, just like they did in the Bible, the casting net like that, and he'd pull that in and bring little chads with him, little small fish. And then with three fingers left, he had two fingers cut off. He would, he would cut his bait idling down to the jug lines or the trot lines. And he would cut that fish up and then he'd take those trot lines and put the fish on the hook and, uh, go to the next line and go to the next line. By the time he came back to the first line that he baited, there were catfish long as my arm on that line. But you can't catch fish with holes in your net. You can't, and you can't help a sin-sick world with sin-sick people. I mean, you know, the church must have revival. The church must have revival. There's no way a sick church. In fact, Jesus said, it's for the sick that I came. He said, it's the sick that need a physician. We're We're the saved. Is anybody here glad to be well and whole and complete and saved? And so there's a reason that God keeps us and protects us and helps us to be well so that we can reach a world that has not been reached. And so I want to talk one more time to you about revival. If you've got a few minutes, I've got about 30 to give to you. Maybe a little longer. Depends on if you say amen or not. There we go. All right. <laughs> Y'all are tricky. Second Chronicles 29, 1 through 10. Hezekiah had a revival. There was five revivals in the Old Testament. This is one of them. And he... He became king when he was just 25 years old. How many know that's a lot of pressure to put on a young man, 25 years old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Abijah, Abbey, and the daughter of Zechariah. And he did right in the sight of the Lord. How many know that's a good word right there? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord in accordance with everything that David, his father, uh, had done in the first year of his reign. In the first month, this guy didn't waste any time. How I mean, know oh, he's not messing around. Hezekiah opened up the doors of the house of the Lord. Come on now. Somebody say, it's time to open the doors. It's time to open the doors. They opened up the stadium and they got a full crowd. We open up the church. I mean, know it's time to open the doors of the house of the Lord. Open up the doors of the house of the Lord, which was uh, closed by his father. Okay, we'll get into it. And he repaired them and replaced the gold overlay. Uh, Father had taken the gold overlay off, used it for worshiping idols. And he brought in the priests and the Levites, the leadership, and he gathered them in the square on the east. Went to the East Street, East Oak Grove Avenue, right? And then he said to them, Levites, listen to me. Now consecrate, dedicate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord the God of your fathers, and get the filth of idol worship out of the holy place. How many know it's time for us to get the filth out of the house of the Lord? And we don't deal with people. We deal with sin. We deal with idol worship. We deal with things that do not pertain to God. How many know if it's in the house of the Lord, it's holy because God makes it holy, right? If it's unholy, it doesn't belong in the house of the Lord. I wish somebody would help me out here. Verse 6, for our fathers have been unfaithful, have done evil in the sight of the Lord our God, and they have abandoned him and have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord, the house of God, and they have turned their backs uh, on God. They have also closed the doors of the temple porch and put out the lamps, and they have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, this is what happens when you do all of that. The wrath of the Lord has been against Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of terror or horror and of hissing, just as you see with your own eyes. For behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity because of all of this. Now it is in my heart, uh, this is what Hezekiah says, it's in my heart to make a covenant, a solemn agreement, with the Lord God of Israel so that his burning anger will turn away from us. My goal is that today it's on somebody's heart to renew their covenant with almighty God. Amen. Turn and renew the covenant. That's what revival is. So the first thought today was, uh, is what, what is the evil that is stopping the revival? What's going on? And how uh, I many know oh, in our day, um, <sighs> carnality has replaced consecration in our day. Uh, preachers are getting into the pulpit and giving little speeches and TED Talks. How I many know there was a day when preachers would just mount that pulpit and preach against sin and wickedness? Now they've been pressured to be quiet and don't say much against sin and do not uh, do not uh, elevate the Holy Spirit at all because he's irrelevant to a nation. How I many know the Holy Spirit's not irrelevant? He is the presence of God. Without the Holy Spirit, how I many know we're in really bad shape? And so this is what's going on in our world today. And, and, um, and we see the problem here is that the temple doors were shut, right? And God raises up Hezekiah, but they, uh, the temple doors were shut. And so his father Ahaz, uh, man, <laughs> he was a mess. He was a mess. And, um, he became king, uh, when he was 25 after his father Ahaz, who was wicked indeed. And what he did was he closed the temple doors and shut them, uh, put the priest out of work. He filled the temple with junk and filthiness and idols. And the people of God didn't go to the house of God. And so they did. I remember one church I pastored, no names mentioned. It wasn't this one. But, uh, the first day on the job, I went, uh, and, and somebody got saved. How I many oh, people ought to get saved? I said, it ought to be natural for people to get saved in a church, in a ministry, somewhere. And so, they wanted to get baptized, and so I went to the baptistry. It was behind the pulpit, and they had a, uh, just like this one, but we used to have this big platform over here. So when we did uh different uh cantatas and plays and, and things, they, the angel could come out of the sky and walk. Jesus could walk on water, whatever, you know, all that kind of thing. For decoration purposes, they put a piece of plywood over the baptistry. And that's no, that's no, no big deal because how I many know you can remove that plywood and baptize believers. But in this church, they had piled it up with 17 years' worth of junk, boxes of the preacher's tapes. Nobody bought them. You want to know why we don't sell tapes anymore? Because nobody buys them. Everything's digital and online anyway. So, so it's a new day. But back then they would have a tape duplicator. Anybody remember those days? Boy, am I glad those are over cassettes some of the young people don't even know what is a cassette mama they really have no idea it's really it's really for real but that thing was piled up on both sides melissa and i cleaned that thing out it took three dump truck loads three jump dump truck loads to get and that house was going well that pastor was there 17 years We collected junk How I mean, you know it's a bad day when you cover the baptistry you Know another bad day in the church when you take out the altars and you can see the effects on the world, on the church, where they just they're just piling up junk. And this is what was going on. Junk was coming into the house of the Lord. I mean, no, there's a lot of junk coming into a mini church. Idol worship and filthiness, and people dress like they want, do like they want. They have no care, no reverence, no concern about the things of God. Is anybody hearing me? So they piled it up, and then they quit offering sacrifices to God. Man, this is a big deal. If you close the doors of the church, you don't have to make sacrifice. They don't even come to church. So they didn't make no sacrifices to God, which means, which means people are living in sin, not repenting, right? And they, and they didn't like the, uh, menorah in the, in the holy place. They didn't like they didn't keep it lit. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be in the house of the Lord, representing the fire and the light. Is anybody getting any of this? I'm just setting a stage for what Ahaz did that Hezekiah had to undo. And it's been like that. Remember when we did our study? Earlier on with Gideon, it was up, and then, you know, God would raise up. It was down. God would raise up a leader and come up and go down and back up. Same thing here in Kings and Chronicles. And so they forsook God uh, completely. They forsook God completely. That's what was going on. The people had forsaken God for idols. Our fathers have done evil in the eyes of the Lord. That's what was going on. And that's pretty, that's pretty evil to shut down the house of the Lord. I got, I know that this is a real, uh, pandemic around the world and we need to be wise. But how many you know Satan's probably having a field day? Shutting down every church in the nation. Every business, every job, every God prospering person is suffering because of fear. And I'm, I'm telling you that it's not going to last forever. How many you know God's going to open this thing up again? This is a dark day, but I don't let the darkness sway me and my faith. Come on, somebody say amen. So they forsook God completely, but God raises up Hezekiah. And uh, following his father, Ahaz, he became king at 25. And um, a lot of responsibility. You say, Pastor, how can a young man carry that much weight to be the king over the Israel? And the answer comes in verse 5 and 6. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was none like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him held fast to the Lord, and he did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands of the Lord that God had given to Moses. He honored the Lord. You know, as a young first-generation Pentecostal, first-generation Christian, basically, I'm thankful to break the curse. Come on, somebody say amen. If you are first-generation, you broke the curse of things that have gone on in your family, and you're born again, you ought to be excited right now because you set the record straight for the rest of the generations to come. If you are a backslidden person, you can you could actually bring curse upon is anybody here in me? You could actually stop up and damn up the flow of God in your family for the generations to come. That's what Ahaz did. And now Hezekiah's here to change things. The um, New American Standard Bible says that he clung to the Lord. I like that. I mean, oh, some of us need to cling to the Lord, especially when times get rough. I mean, oh, that's when you really need to cling to the Lord. He honored the Lord. He loved the Lord. That's how he made it at 25 years old. That's how he had the wisdom. It wasn't the wisdom of Hezekiah. He was just a man. It's the God that he served that gave him the wisdom. Just like Solomon. Just like Josiah, he ruled when he was 8 years old. I mean, oh, God will use anybody who's willing to do the right thing in the eyes of the Lord. And so Hezekiah's wisdom and ability to lead came from directly from the Lord, unlike his father. And his heart uh was led directly in the steps of the ways of righteousness, his name actually means strengthened of Jehovah, strengthened of Jehovah. But let me just get back. Uh, Hezekiah did as as soon as he became king, he he began to reign by breaking down false gods and false forms of worship that had arisen in Israel. Now, this is also found in Second Kings chapter eighteen. I don't know if I have that up there, uh, but the place not only was the people of God forsaken. Uh, Forsaking god, but the place of god was forsaken. They turned away their faces from the habitation of the lord They turned away from the house of god So the second thought then is what needs to be restored What do we need to do to have revival that's a simple question two thoughts today It's a spiritual work. So hezekiah says I intend to make a covenant with the lord So that his fierce anger will turn away from us. How I many know oh, in america Preachers and people of god need to stand up and say it's time for us to renew our covenant with jehovah god Otherwise, his fierce anger is going to turn on this, this nation. In some respects, we might be seeing the effects of evil. I mean, no, America's not what she used to be. And what happened? Well, when you turn your back on God and forsake God and forsake God's house, it becomes a playground instead of a, a place of worship. I mean, no, this is a holy meeting place for God. This is the place where we meet with God. It's not a place for you to relax and drink coffee and eat donuts. Come in as you go. Go as you please. Do what you want. That's not the place. You can do that at at the in Branson somewhere in some entertainment place. I mean, this is not a place of entertainment. This is a place of <laughs> worship of Almighty God. This is God's house, and so people, you you can walk around, and see, throw trash around, throw it in the parking lot. The other day, I came in. And two beds were in our dumpster. Two beds. They just come by. I just I just want to find them. And bless them in the name of the Lord. It's all right, though. They did evil. It's evil that, that that prevents revival is what I'm trying to say. Are y'all hearing me? That's what prevents revival. But but Hezekiah wants to help us here. So uh, what happened, they had begun worship of the bronze snake, uh, the bronze serpent that God had used as a means of healing the, in the days of Moses. They yeah, even gave him a name in 2 Kings in chapter 18, you can see it, uh, Nehushtan, which means the bronze thing. So they took the bronze snake. Remember that in the wilderness? They would hold up, Moses would hold up the bronze snake, and the people of God would be healed because they all got bit by the snake. Y'all remember that? And the holy God, God, Jehovah Rapha healed them. I said, how many believe God will steal our healer? Come on now, in the midst of an epidemic, a pandemic, how many believe God can still heal? Of course he can. Of course he can, and he is, and he did, and we're thankful, Amen. and so that that's what happened they they uh, They gave this Nehushtan a name, and remember this: that that which God blesses and uses while our eyes are on him, he can also curse when it replaces him. So they took a godly thing that God used, and their eyes got upon the bronze serpent instead of the God who did the healing. It's the same thing going on today worship, worship. You know, we're living in a day where they worship, worship. Man, they want to sing songs. I mean, songs. Let's just sing till into oblivion. Don't even preach, Pastor. We ain't got time to preach. Put the, put the singers back up. Let's just sing and sing and sing. It makes me feel so good. I mean, oh, God's not always wanting you to feel good. He wants you to feel God. There's a big difference. <laughs> amen. <laughs> and so I'm going to keep preaching whether you shout amen or not. So, so here it is, any bronze thing in your, is, is there any bronze thing in your life? Is there anything that you took that was godly and turned it into an idol? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And we begin to start worshiping the creature instead of the creator. We, we worship the creator. That's what they did when they came off the mountain. They started worshiping the golden calf, right? Now they worship this bronze, this bronze serpent. They worship, it's easy to worship something you can see and feel and touch. But God said, you need to have faith in me. Even if you can't see it, you got to know he's still working. Even if you can't feel it, you got to know by faith he's still working it out. Amen? And so what can we see? What are the steps that would happen here? After destroying the bronze thing, several steps took place. Hezekiah put it in place. It led to revival in Judah. And um the first thing he did, it's a sanctifying work. So, so. First thing he did was he destroyed that bronze serpent. That's the first thing he did. You can go back and look at it, Second Kings 18 at a later time. But they were worshiping that, not God. Uh, and that's it. Uh, it's so small. Let's read the last part of it. This is First Kings 18. He also crushed to pieces, uh, this is what Hezekiah did, the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the Israelites had burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. So then he opened the doors of the Lord's house. I mean oh, one of the reasons we exist is to reach the lost. That's why we did the mission in New Orleans. That's why we go to, to different ministries here in town. That's why we that's why we get involved in missions around the world, right? It's because we believe that God has is, is got this is listen, if how many believe the clock is ticking and we don't have a whole lot of time left? And as the Lord's approaching, as the day of the Lord approaches, how many things we need to be more involved in missions, not less. Not only money, giving money, but going and praying and, and uh, releasing families to go, as we are doing today with the, the nickels. So you opened the house of the Lord. I'm glad that people can come to Oak Grove. I, I know there's confused people out there, but how many know every one of them are welcome in this house? Y'all not hearing me. Well, pastor, we want people like us. No, we don't. Can I ask you a question? (laughs) Help us, Lord. If everybody in the church was just like you, how would this church be? Yeah, we don't know if we want everybody like you. We're glad for you. We're glad for you. But it wouldn't be for the grace of God. How many know you'd be on the street and they'd be in here? Are you hearing me? Is anybody here thankful for the grace of almighty God? Anybody glad you made an altar one day and said, Jesus, save me. Forgive me from my past. Write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. Have mercy on me, Lord. That's, that's salvation right there. It's free for all. But if you close the doors of the church and there's no altar and there's no sacrifice for the sin offering, there's nobody going to be able to come in. An Israelite. Uh, needed the high priest to to make that Day of Atonement, need to make that sin sacrifice for the sins of the whole nation. And it only was temporary. It went on for one year until the next year on the Day of Atonement. So if you close the doors of the church, how I many know oh, we're not going to have any hope? Did you know, Grove, that the church in America and in the world today is the last hope? We are the last hope. You take the church out of here in the rapture, and I don't want to be around. Not going to be a good place to be. So you you know anything about Bible prophecy, you understand we better do what we can while we can. If you're going to pray, pray. If you're going to give, give. If you're going to worship, don't sit there with your hands folded. I mean, when you come into the Lord's house, it's time to worship. nobody got to conjure you up. You ought to be ready to worship. And say, well, I'm just not an emotional person. Don't lie to me. I've seen you on the ball field. And then the Cardinals hit a home run, and you come out, you throw your Coke everywhere, and your popcorn went over there. And you come to God's house and, none of this moves me, Pastor. Well, hey, if God don't move you, can't nothing move you. Just saying. So what steps do we take? We open the door. In the first month. I mean, Ahaz, Hezekiah's father shut the doors so that worship and offerings and instruction from the Lord would be stopped. That's just plain wicked. But in the first month, your boy opens up the doors. Amen. You know why? Because he was here to please God and not man. There's a lot of man pleasers out there. I said there's a lot of man pleasers out there. Do whatever the culture says we do. I mean, no, I'm not here to be dictated by the culture what we should do. That's why I was telling you earlier, the board and I decided to dismiss Sunday nights until the 15th. But how many know they're not going to dictate to us whether we can worship or not? We'll worship on the phone. We'll worship in the house. We'll worship however we want to. What we were letting you all know is that we want to be cautious and considerate and careful so that we take care of our people. But how many know this thing will lift and we will be back where we need to be? And I know you're excited about that. But be patient. We're doing our best. When the pandemic hit and they closed the doors by virtue of the mandate, then we had to follow the mandate. Now it's up to us and we don't know what to do. So we're doing our best. You're in order to say thank you, Pastor. Say it again. Thank you, board. Go and tell all your friends and family that. It's not an easy thing to lead in the 21st century church people who sit sitting high perched up in some office somewhere telling pastors today how to do it. How I many know they don't have a clue how to do it? They don't have a clue. A lot of our pastors are quitting. A lot of pastors are giving up. A lot of our pastors discouraged and depressed. How I many know that's not God's will for the pastorate? I said he's still on the throne. And so we're going to do what we got to do to keep the doors open. And uh, the doors of the church may be open physically in our world today, but guess what? If the true gospel is not being preached They're still spiritually closed. So there's churches that have the door open, but the the door of the gospel is closed because they're not preaching the truth. And how can they hear it? How can they hear if they don't have a preacher telling them the truth? Amen? And so we got to get that right. got to get that right. Hezekiah opened the door of the temple so that worship of the right God in the right way could go forward. It's a good place to start. Amen? And so the second thing he did was he consecrated the leaders. How many know judgment starts in the house of the Lord? he called the levites and the priests and called the leaders in. I mean, oh, if you want to have a revival, you need to get a fire built in the pulpit. Our preachers, our preachers, our leaders need to rise up. I mean, oh, if you can't get your leaders into the house of the Lord, you'll never get the people into the house of the Lord. Amen. So we got to commit and re-consecrate ourselves. You need to get to East Street. Hey, 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 Hezekiah said, "Hey boys, hey girls, Boys, at this time, hey, boys, meet me at East Street in the square. We got a little come-to-Jesus meeting. That's what he did. So when they assembled their brothers and sisters, uh, verse 4 and 5, they assembled them in the square on the east side and said, Listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourself now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all the defilement from the sanctuary. I I could stop right here and preach all day long. What is it in your life? In your temple that needs to be removed to honor the Lord again. What are you doing privately? I'm not, I'm not here to, to expose you. How I many know the Holy Ghost can expose you? He's the one who exposes you every day, every night. The preacher don't have to expose nobody. How I many know the Holy Ghost already put his finger on your sin? And you can go to church week after week and act like there's nothing going on, but the Holy Spirit goes home with you. The greatest preacher in the world is not Ron Moran. It's the Holy Ghost. And he got one message, like a cricket, while your head's on the pillow. Repent, repent, repent. (laughs) And you can listen to it or you cannot listen to it. It's the difference between a blessed life and a cursed life. It's, It's the difference between freedom and bondage. It's the difference between bondage and peace. Get all the guilt off. Get all the shame out. Get all the idols out. Clean the house. Somebody ought to shout amen to that. Get the filthiness out of your life. Get it out of the house. Take that bronze serpent and get rid of it. If you're worshiping, whatever you're worshiping, get rid of it. If you're worshiping, worship. You need to re reimagine, re- realign with the Holy Spirit. Some people are worshiping faith. They have faith in faith. How many know you can't have faith in some of the facts today? It seems like to me nobody even knows the facts. I've asked a lot of questions lately. How about this? I don't know. It's like asking a question to a five-year-old. Well, what about this? I don't know. Well, what about, what about this? What about this? I don't know. Say, who knows? Fauci knows. You know what I nicknamed Fauci? Grouchy. How would you like to give answers that nobody knows? <laughs> He's grouchy. God bless his heart. Pray for Fauci and his sidekick, the president. Anyway, got to remove all the all the defilement in the sanctuary. Make sure the things are at the top. He starts with the leaders. Hey, I'm not pointing at you. I'm not pointing at you. I'm saying right here. Start right here, Lord. If was going to be a revival. how many know it has to start in the pulpit. It has to start with the leaders. We need to get realigned with the Holy Spirit. Consecrate consecrate yourselves now and be consecrated. Repent. They allowed practices which were contrary to the word of the Lord to take place. So cleansing had to start with them. You know, it was D.L. Moody that said that. The best way to revive a church is build a fire in the pulpit. And then the Lord's house was cleaned. Not only were the leaders cleaned, the house of the Lord was cleaned, right? And so they they went in and uh, purified the temple as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. They just cleaned it, cleaned house. They cleaned house. I remember just like Melissa and I, three and a half dump truck loads, three and a half dump truck loads of boxes and old Christmas trees. I remember when we redid the platform here, we found, there, remember those big box screens that were over the, I mean, remember those two big box screens that were over there? Well, guess what was behind one of those? A little angel on top of a Christmas tree. I don't know how long that little angel was in our wall. But she was there for many, many moons. And I don't want to tell you we burned her. We just put her away somewhere. We didn't burn the little thing. But I imagine when they went in, they found all kind of junk. What kind of junk is in your house? What kind of junk is in the house of the Lord? Think about that for a little bit. It's a real deal. God promises to send revival, but we have a responsibility to clean out the house. So many of these priests had fallen to unfaithfulness and idolatry. They had to deal with their own sin before they can process and cleanse the temple. God can't use you to impact others for Christ until you cleanse yourself. And uh, remember at the Day of Atonement, the priest had to cleanse his hands and before he went and offered the offering for on behalf of the people. It's the same thing here. They had to cleanse the leadership before they cleansed the body, and then they had cleansed the body of the house, cleansed the body. And then we can move on to other things. So for a person had to be cleansed, they had to uh, deal with some um, offerings and some sacrifices. So as soon as the temple was clean, uh, they, they gathered for worship and offered three kinds of sacrifices, okay? And we find them here to restore worship. They offer three kinds of sacrifices. Number one, the sin offering, picture substitution. Verse 21, they um, they had to deal with the sin offering, right? Justice demand the penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. I say, Pastor, why do you get so excited? Every week you preach against sin, you preach against sin, you preach against sin. I don't care what kind of sin. How many know there's no pretty sin? So well, I'm not a bad sinner, really? Really, is there a bad sinner and a good sinner? I mean, no, sin is sin. See, Pastor, you preach against sin. I just never feel comfortable. Well, nobody called you here to feel comfortable. You need to feel consecrated. Not comfortable, right? Now, we want you to be comfortable. I mean, we're not going to get recliners. Some pastors are actually, we don't know what to do. The people people of God just are uncomfortable. Let's order a bunch of recliners and tea like the theaters are doing. You know, the theaters? They can't get anybody to go watch a movie anymore because of all the Netflix and everything and all that. So now they got recliners and you can bring your pizza and you can eat. And how, how spoiled is America? You can't even go to the concession stand? How lazy is that? I feel like preaching in here, y'all. So So anyway, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Can you say amen to that? Only got a couple of minutes, so I need you all to help me. The slaughter of these animals and, and the sprinkling of their blood on the altar pictured the perfect sacrifice of sins would, would be accomplished through, through the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. It's a picture of the cross. When you close the door of the church, people can't come to Christ. You close the house of God and you stop the offering system that they had in the Old Testament, there was no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. And so, so they had to start that back up. And, um, and so, priests uh, would grab an animal and slit the throat identifying himself uh at, with that animal or the blood of that animal and his sins were transferred to the animal who died in his place that's what was happening that's what's happening at the sin offering the the priest i know it's not pretty i know it's not pretty and we want to make church pretty and comfortable but I mean, having oh, know this this message of the gospel is a bloody mess They took that goat or that, that bull or whatever, they sliced the throat and blood would go, took the blood out of there, put it on the mercy seat, and God saw the blood. And when God saw the blood, how many know He passed over us? He redeemed us. That's the gospel. But if you stop the church, you shut down revival. How many know Satan's having a heyday today? And so, I urge you, therefore, brethren, Paul said, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, right? So, so that um, that God can forgive you. Even so, there's a cleansing uh, that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen, when you put your faith in him. The other offering, the, uh, the uh, substitutionary offering was a sin offering. The burnt offering was a consecration offering for cleansing. You can find that in chapter 23. But it, um, it's offered up totally to the Lord. The worshiper didn't eat any of it. Uh, it represents the surrender and holiness demanded of the Lord who have received forgiveness from the Lord. And our response to his mercy and becoming our sin offering uh, should be to give ourselves completely to him. Jesus gave himself completely to us. We should give ourselves completely to him. I mean, say amen to that. So, so 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 the uh, sin offering, and now the burnt offering means God, we're gonna we're gonna give ourselves completely to you. Right? Offer ourselves a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is which is our spiritual service to you. That's what Paul's saying. We are the sacrifice we no longer have to bring bulls and goats we don't have to pastor doesn't have to have a corral out there with a bunch of animals and and have to come and slice all that bloody mess and have the uh the incense and all. we don't need all that that anymore the incense was to stop all the stench and the smell you know that you understand that prayers and that, and that all had to be to keep the holiness of the temple and we need to keep this temple holy How many know you don't hear a whole lot about holiness preaching anymore? What we did, we took the baby and threw it out with the bathwater. We're not holiness people anymore, so we don't want to be holiness because that's, people are legalistic. No, no, no. How many know there's still a demand for holiness? We didn't throw it all away. We just threw away long sleeves and you can't have a mustache or, you know, or you can't walk on one leg and all the silly rules that used to have, right? Girls can't wear pants and Boys, you can't wear makeup. Aren't you glad guys they put makeup on? Somebody gotta paint that old barn every now and then. I know y'all helping me now, but. So that was the offering, burnt offering. Now then the last one here is the thank offering, which is where I want to be. I want to be at the thank offering. Is anybody here at Oak Grove thankful this morning? Come on, I, I just wonder. Are you depressed and sad and know you're not getting your way and the world's not going the way you designed it? How many know it's not up to you? I think the world's going exactly how God has designed it. We are right here where we are because God has ordained where we are. He's not caught off guard. How many know the Lord knows where we are? And if he's going to bring this thing to a close, some things have to get in place. And the church is taken back. Oh, why do we have to be like this? Well, there's a reason for everything. How many know there's a reason for everything? And God's got his plan. I said, God's got an army. It's marching through this world, right? And he's just setting things up. We give so much credit to the Antichrist and the devil, and we don't give any credit to Christ. He's the one setting it up. Can I tell you, Old Grove, you don't have to be worried about the Antichrist. We're going in the rapture. Now, if you're not going in the rapture, get the keys from Brother Gary Rowe and lock up this place. amen so these are voluntary offerings these thankful offerings expressing love and gratitude to god for the many blessings that's where i am today i don't know where you are maybe you need to make a sin offering today maybe you need to get clutter out of your life and get all the idols out of your life and maybe you need to clean some things up how many know jesus is still the great and final sacrifice i said how many know there's still grace that you can find jesus today i said today is the day of salvation If you're at home and you're living in sin, today is the day of salvation. Don't play around with God. The the clock is ticking, tick, 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 right? Into eternity. For a Christian, you die once, you live forever. For an unbeliever, you die once, and you die forever. Two deaths, the second death. And we get to get rid of that because of Jesus. Makes me want to thank him. How about you? Makes me want to take up an offering right now. Ooh, a thank offering. I want to say, you, if you've ever been in, in an African American church, when they start getting full of thankfulness, well, they start running down and throwing money all over the altar. Lord, put the anointing on us. Put the anointing on us. And so, the author of Hebrews refers to this when he writes, Through Christ, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips to give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing for with which. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We are supposed to be overflowing with gratitude. We didn't we didn't mean to start off ugly, uh, but we have to. How many know it gets ugly before it gets better? You got to get rid of the ugly. I said, how many got ready to get rid of the uglies? It's not talking about people. I'm talking about sin in your life, the idol worship, all the things, the ugly things that come into your holy temple. Get rid of them. And then when you get rid of all that, you consecrate yourself, dedicate yourself to God. And then after that, you have thank offerings, which is celebration. How many know I want to celebrate to the Lord? That's to me what revival is. Cleansing, consecration, and celebration. Cleansing, consecration, celebration. After you read the end of the chapter, you can see that man, these burnt offerings and thank offerings moved into the third area of renewal and celebration of corporate worship, and we can't experience spiritual renewal, whether individually or corporately, unless we appropriate God's cleansing through the blood. It starts there, right? Confessing our sins and cleansing ourselves from the idolatry, all the stuff in our lives, even as the Lord cleanses our temple. And then spiritual renewal starts. Commitment, cleansing, and celebration. I want them to come back to the platform, and we've got 10 minutes. I know you're blown away. I am too. I'm blown away too. But I've never lived in a day where people just uh, seemingly want to go to church and get their ears tickled and go home. Many people don't want to know nobody. Don't want to know you. You don't want to know me. I just attend. I just attend. You know, I don't want you to get into my life. It gets too personal in my life. How I many know oh, the Lord gets in all of your business? And uh, listen, your personal life is none of Pastor and Melissa's business. But how I many know oh, the Holy Ghost gets into all of your business? He cares more about you than you can imagine. And he don't want you to miss heaven just because you're living a life estranged from God, away from God, doing your thing. You think you're having a great time, but listen to me, listen to me. The party ends, the party comes to an end. Listen to this preacher. I have been there, done that. There's no peace there. Nothing but guilt and shame. But I'm so happy that the Lord convicts. And I'm so thankful that the Lord converts. It's the preaching of the Word. It's the preaching of the Word. We can't, we can't just snuggle up to sinners and make them feel good and uh, make them think this is their best life now so they can, they can get it. you got to tell them the truth. And the truth of the Word will set them free. And boy, doesn't it feel good to be free. Say, Pastor, this is not us. This is Hezekiah. This is the Old Testament. This is what Ahaz did. Yeah? There are some forefathers who made some decisions in our country. Just, just putting it bluntly, we started this nation with Judea christian principles right out of the Word of God. Did we not? And now all of a sudden we don't want God mentioned. We don't want him mentioned in any entertainment, any football games, basketball. We don't want to salute the flag. We don't want to salute God. We don't want God in our schools. We don't want him interfering with us. Anything we've got to do with God needs to go. Because God's making us uncomfortable as a nation. We want to be able to murder anybody we want to murder. We don't want any rules. We don't want any laws. Can I tell you, without laws and rules, you got anarchy and rebellion. So we don't want the Word of God. We don't want the house of God telling us what we can do, what we cannot do. And that preacher, bald headed preacher with a mustache, he can't tell me what a way I should live. No, you're right about that. But how many know God has reserved the right to speak to you from His Word? From His Word. If you'll read your Word and pray, seek God's face, turn from your wicked ways, how many know He, He will help you? That's revival so I love verse 36 Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people because the thing came about suddenly God prepared it in his sovereign cause of revival I mean when it happens it's going to happen suddenly just like the rapture I mean the rapture is going to happen suddenly you're going to wish you had time to make up your mind but it's going to be too late too late joyous spontaneous worship would you stand with me there's a whole joyous spontaneous worship to the whole thing when Jesus was born born in the in, in the in the stable suddenly the angels burst out with praise when the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2 suddenly there appeared from heaven a sound as of a mighty rushing wind and the place where they were was filled with the Spirit. It happens quick. And at the, ra- at the rapture, at the last trumpet, I'm not sure what you're envisioning. I'm envisioning Jesus who's waiting on His Father to blow the trumpet. The Father, here's Jesus. The Father's Father is saying, Okay, Okay, Gabriel's standing over here. Because the Bible says Jesus doesn't even know when the rapture's going to take place. He don't even know. All you Bible scholars got it all figured out. How I many know Jesus doesn't even know? It's going to come at a time you don't know. Suddenly, all of a sudden, quickly, twinkling of an eye, boom. In Missouri the other day, they heard a boom. They were looking all over. Where's the boom come from? It came from an Air Force somewhere, somewhere in America. Some jet took off. It's gonna be just that quick. Boom! So, Father is ready, ready, ready. Jesus, get Gabriel ready. Gabriel's ready. Now! Just that fast. Jesus said, Blow that, blow that trumpet, boy! And Gabriel goes to taking that trumpet and blowing that trumpet. The shofar. How many know it's a victory trumpet? It's the shout of God and the trumpet sound of God. And the angel, the archangel is going to blast that trumpet. And we which are alive are going to be taken out of here. Right out of my shoe. Right out of my shoe. You can have my shoes. I'm not going to need them in the presence of the Lord. How many know in the presence of the Lord you take off your shoes anyway? just that fast say pastor it took 2,000 years to get here I know but it'll take less than a one tenth ten thousandth of a second to get out of here so I know, you're, I know you're depressed I know you're delayed I know you're discouraged like the Israelites walking back from Babylon heading back to Jerusalem that's not the picture I get how many of the New Testament church the church of the 21st century needs to lift their hands and say we're marching to Zion folks I said we're getting ready to go we're not getting ready for no funeral we're getting ready for a wedding the bride says come I said the bride says come and we respond how many of you want to be there come on lift your hand to the Lord lift your hand to the Lord say Lord consecrate me now Lord, convict me now. Help me to get it right. Help me to get the offerings right. Help me to get the things restored. Put the Holy Spirit back in the house of the Lord. Relight, oh Lord, all of the menorah. Relight it. Put the light in the house of the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit shine in this place. Let the Word of God be spoken and preached and read in the house of the Lord again. Open up the doors. Clean out the house. And what Ahaz spent all of his reign destroying in eight days. Come on, church. In eight days, Hezekiah restored the worship of the Lord. Would somebody give the Lord praise in this house? It only took eight days. It only took eight days. I come to encourage you, Grove. It took me all to get where I'm at right now okay I should have started this a long time ago but it only took eight days to restore worship in the house of the Lord so don't you get discouraged I know there's all kind of idols in our churches I know there's churches closing the door tickling ears I know politicians think they have the answer I know there's crisis on every end how many can I I just tell you the darkness out there does not determine the light in here come on give the Lord praise the darkness out there doesn't determine the light that's in here and the chatter out there man there's a lot of chatter out there nobody knows anything this doctor over here says this and doctor over there says that opposing ideas and me who is not a doctor says well what's the truth you know what I decided I was going to do I was gonna forget them all and go to the great physician. How I many know oh, I have a great physician? His name is Jesus. He's not caught off by pandemics and disease. He said, I will heal all of your diseases and forgive all of your trespasses. Our God is in charge. Come on, lift your hand. Our God is still in charge. He's coming back suddenly. If there's anybody here needs to take care of some things in your life, need to sweep out some things of the house, the, of the temple of the living God, that's you. That's your personal temple. If you need to take care of that, come on to these altars and take care of it. We'll leave you there to the Lord. We'll just leave you there. Nobody's going to breathe on you. Nobody going to pray for you. You and God take care of your business. If you're at home in your living room, get down on your knees and clear out the temple. Get rid of that cussing box. Come on, how many know God can get rid of your cussing box? He can take your tongue and tame that ugly thing by the power of the Holy Spirit. He can help your eyes stop looking at things you shouldn't see. Your mouth stop saying things you shouldn't say. Help your feet to walk where you shouldn't be walking. That's our God. He is able to cleanse us. And save us from the uttermost to the guttermost. I mean, oh, God can take care of you. You're not as bad as you think you are. I'm glad for the grace of God. Would you help me, old grove real quick? If somebody wants to make an altar right now for consecration and the sin offering, you go ahead. We're going to pray for you. You just make your way to the altar. Old Grove, lift your hands. Let's pray. Father, the doors of Old Grove are open. We're not here to condemn a sinner. We're here, Lord, that you might save them save them, save them at home save them in the house we condemn sin and we help convert the sinner we love the sinner we hate the sin so Lord that sin offering needs to take place you already took care of it by Jesus' death on the cross so we're praying for them in intercession secondly, secondly Oak Grove I want you to continue to pray maybe you're here today and you're born again you've already taken care of the sin offering but you let a lot of stuff pile up a lot of stuff's piling up. Junk is in your life. Junk has cluttered up your life in your house. and There's no room for God in your life because you filled it up with all kinds of other stuff. Everything's taking your time. Everything's taking your money. Everything's taking everything you got and God's not there to be honored. If that's you, Oak Grove, come on, let's begin to pray. Father, we're praying right now that somebody respond at home or in the house. Respond to consecration and cleansing. Lord, you'd help them. Help the Holy Spirit sweep out anything in our lives that would be hindrance to a personal or corporate revival. If there's anybody in this house hindering personal or corporate revival, Lord, I pray you'd help us. Start with the leadership. Start with me. Start with me, Holy Ghost. Convict me. Help me to be willing to respond quickly to whatever you say. And thirdly and finally, this is where I want to be. I want to give God a thank offering. Does anybody here want to give God a thank offering? Just step out of your seat. Move on up here if you feel like you want to. I want to give God a thank offering. I'm going to join you down here. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so thankful. So I want to give an offering to the Lord. And that offering is not just money. It's not just my time or my talent. It is my whole life. I stand in this altar today, God giving you all of me because you gave me all of you it's our thank offering i'm gonna let Chrissy and the team go ahead and worship the lord and that's how we're going to conclude say i'm saved i'm sanctified i'm filled with the holy ghost but all i want to do is honor the lord with my worship come on Chrissy, lead us into the presence of